Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. This little series today and next Sunday, this begins Holy Week. You know that this was the last week from this day. What we're going to minister on today, Jesus' last week on earth, and he knew it. If it was your last week on earth, what would you be saying and what would you be doing? I imagine it's some pretty important stuff. Jesus knew it was his last week on earth. That's why your homework assignment is to read John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. John wrote down everything Jesus said in that last week and did, especially the last days where that starts. The conversation he had with his twelve. Guess what? You're one of the 12. You're one of the 12 now. Hey, I know. Uh, oh, no, I'm going to be one of the 12. You're one of the 12. If you're, you're a child of God, you're a disciple. And so, so we're going to look at, at the king, and uh, the t- subtitle is Make Him Your King. You know, a lot of people make Jesus Savior, but they don't make Him Lord. They don't make Him King. They don't make Him Master. Whoa, we need to make Him Master. We need to make Him Lord and King. And so is He your King? And I I love love, uh, talking about uh, kings and kingdoms. Now, I know, ladies, you may not understand that, but men, you know, they want to, you know, we did the armor of God. Men want to dress up in the armor of God. They want to watch the movies where the heads are getting chopped off. And uh, riding on the horse and, you know, holding the lance and, you know, uh, battle. Well, guess what? We still get to battle, and the ladies do too, in the spirit. Because there are some battles out there. That's a battle is what she just testified that she overcame. That's a battle. Your past is a battle. Keeps wanting to raise its head up. And you know the, 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 the cliche that's in the church world, when the devil reminds you of your past, you need to tell him, remind him of his future. Come on. You need to have a rebuttal for the devil, and it's the Word of God. So everybody ready? Then let's read Matthew 21, 1 through 11. This is, this is uh, where Jesus is coming in. They just left Jericho. They traveled like 17 miles to make it here, and they come into the city. And when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has needed them, and immediately they will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Hold on just a second. Everything Jesus did this week was prophecy. He fulfill, he's fulfilling prophecy today. So this, was, this is one of the prophecies. And let's, let's keep going and saying in verse 5, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. They cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Then the multitudes who went before, those who followed, cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's a song, isn't it? Yeah. And when he had come into Jerusalem, the whole city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So we look at this story. And let's dig into it just for a little bit, and let's just break some of this down. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Spirit of God that stir us, that you are the King of glory, that you are our King, and that you sit on the throne of our heart, the throne in heaven. And we thank you that you still restore, you still deliver, you still move as King in Jesus' name. Amen. So number one, Jesus is the rightful King. And, and what's amazing about this story, how many times if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus did something spectacular, he said, tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. Don't tell anybody who did this. Because it wasn't yet time. Well, this is time. Because now they're declaring him king. And so he's the rightful king. In Matthew 21, 4, and 5, all this was done that it might be fulfilled by Isaiah the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion. Daughter means that we're his children. Behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? It's just right on time, right in line with what the prophecy was. And Jesus didn't, if Jesus would have went and pulled the donkey in a colt, they said, well, he orchestrated that. But he sent, he sent him and said, go find it. And the people asked, what you going to do with my donkey? Uh-huh. And, and so... Uh, uh, Zechariah 9, 9, we'll read it right quick. Uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Uh, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You know, they knew what that meant. These people knew their Bible. How many of you ever read about Solomon? When he was a young boy, he became king. How many of you know he, read, he rode on his daddy's donkey? Not his donkey, but his daddy's mule. <laughs> that meant that he's king. But it, when you ride on the donkey or the mule, you're the king coming in peace. Peace. Jesus came in peace. He came as the king, and they were kind of confused by it because they were looking for a king to come and rule, but Jesus came in peace. Let's look at, let's look at Luke one thirty-two before we go. And Matthew 10, 7, Gabriel came to Mary. What did Gabriel tell Mary? That, you know, the, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will have a son and his name will be called Jesus. But look what he says. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest, the son of God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So he's going to be king. And look at verse 33. Or did I have that? No. Oh, yeah, 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. His kingdom. There's no end to it. We really don't understand kings in America. We kind of got rid of them, didn't we? Well, understand that Jesus is a just king. He's a righteous king. And he's a worthy king. And you need to accept him as your king. Amen? Now, now, kingdoms in the earth, earthly kingdoms can be corrupt. 
And when you give absolute power to somebody, it absolutely will corrupt them. But Jesus has already has the power, all power and authority is given unto him, and he is not corrupt, and he has not misused it. As a matter of fact, he used his power to reach you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Matthew 10, 7, Jesus sent the 12 and said, Go preach, saying, The kingdom is at hand. It's here. The king, what does kingdom mean? The king's domain. So the king's domain is supposed to live on the inside of you. Amen? Say, I have the Spirit of God. I am the house of God. His Spirit, His kingdom lives in me. Amen? All right. So let's, let's keep going. Number two, he's a gentle servant king or the humble servant king. He's humble. He's gentle. He's kind. You think about going before a king or a president, everybody dresses up, looks they're nice, and they bow. You got to, you know, if you go before the Queen of England, you got to curtsy, ladies. You got to bow, men. You got to, you know, there's formalities. Well, you know what? You, you can go before Jesus just as you are. And he is kind. He is forgiving. He is just. Uh, and, and so he's gentle. I want to read Zechariah again, 9, 9, but in the message, 9 and 10. Look what it says. Shout and cheer, daughter of Zion. Raise the roof, daughter of Jerusalem, uh, daughter of Jerusalem, your king is coming. A good king who makes all things right. A humble king riding a donkey, a mere colt of a donkey. I've had it with war. No more chariots in Ephraim. No more war horses in Jerusalem. No more swords and spears, bows and arrows. He will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide from the four winds to the seven seas. Leave that scripture up there just for a second. So, so he is a, a gentle king. He's a kind king. And he comes. The, the gentleness is sim symbolized in the mode of transportation. Again, being a donkey. The very least, at very least, you expect Jesus to ride a horse. I mean, he's the king. I mean, he'd have the best horse in the land. But it wasn't war horse time. Wasn't time for a war horse. It was time, see, the peace that he brought, guess where it resides? It's not out there. It's in here. This is the peace that God has given us. And the peace is offered to the nations. The peaceful rule worldwide. Now, you can look at circumstances in the earth, and you're like, oh, there's no peace. There's guns and knives and swords and all kinds of craziness. Yeah, but the gospel brings the peace of God, and it changes lives, and it delivers people through the gospel. Amen? So we need the gospel. We need the peace of God. We're going somewhere, so hang on with me and look at this. So, but instead of a mighty war horse or a proud sta stallion, he rides a lowly beast of burden. He's riding a donkey. Matter of fact, a borrowed donkey. Because he came humble. One way Jesus uh, uh, displays unprecedented and uh, humble and gentle and kindness is a, and his combination of being all-powerful and gentle was by him performing miracles. 
How many of you know he performed miracles? How many of you know he still wants to perform miracles? Okay, it's kind of sitting cold here today. Listen to me, though. He still wants to perform miracles. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. It says, Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. This is Isaiah. This is 500, 700 years before Jesus came. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Jesus came to do miracles. He came to prove that he was the Son of God. But here's the secret. He did it as a man. He left his deity in heaven and came as a man. He came in flesh. If we are saved by such a gentle king, then we should serve him with all gentleness. Are you hearing me? Gentleness is one of the marks of a Christian. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 23, love, joy, peace, gentleness, 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 kindness, kindness, kindness. We're supposed to be gentle and kind like our Savior, like our King. He's commissioned us. Our lives should be living demonstrations of meekness and gentleness of Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, 1, I come to you in meekness and gentleness. Well, that's tough. Why is that tough? Because you have to give stuff up. Let's look at what in, in John 13, 12 through 17. Let's look at Jesus. John 13, this is in the last day of his life. He's in was before he goes to the cross, the next to the last day, he's with the disciples. They're about to eat the last uh, supper. And he says, so when he had washed their feet, what? He took his garments off and he took a, a pan and he washed their feet. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And he did it for a reason. So when he'd washed their feet, taking his garments, he sat down again and he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Let's look at the next verse. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. So he is teacher and Lord, and he just washed his disciples' feet. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Mm. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now it's getting hard. It's getting difficult. Look at the next verse. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So, what is this saying? You got to be kind to people. It's not saying you got to wash their feet. That grows some people out. Trim their toenails. Oh, man. 
Now, I'm, you know, you've, got, you've lost me, Pastor. I'm not. No, it's talking about being kind to your enemies. It's talking about being gentle to those who are rude and crude to you. He, th- this, is a, this is not what the world says. The world wants to pull the Old Testament out and say an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You knock my tooth out, I'm going to knock out two of yours. They don't want to bring out vengeance is mine, says the Lord. No, huh? the vengeance is theirs. That's the world. Let's look at one more. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, for as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How many of you know, and Jericho testified, family can be hard to love. How many of you know people can be hard to love? How many of you know Jesus said, love your enemies? Uh, wrong, oh Lord. But we're supposed to love. We're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be kind to one another. We're supposed to submit to one another. Nobody wants to hear this. Let's talk about the waving the branches. No, we're looking at who the king is. We serve an awesome king who will wash your feet, who will heal your wounds, who will pour in the oil and the wine, just like the man on the Jericho Road that was beaten up by the enemy in the world. He came and poured the oil and the wine. He wasn't even a part of the kingdom of God yet. He was the good Samaritan. We're called to be the good Samaritan. So, it's called, it, it, God's calling us to give up control. What would everybody think if they saw me washing his feet, if they saw me being kind to him, and I know he's not? Huh? What would everybody think if I, you know, what would people think if I went in and, 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 and gave food to that homeless man living in the culvert? What would they think, it, you know, if I, if I gave somebody $10? Well, he ain't giving them $10. So we have to give up the control of our flesh to love and to serve. God's called us for, to radical love. Radical love for God. You know what it does? It empowers you. When you love God radically, it'll empower you to love other people. It'll empower you to love the world. Say amen or oh me. Okay, just seeing if you're here. Number three, let's wave the banner just a little bit. Let's wave the, let's wave, let's just, let me just ease your pain a little bit. Number three, he's a victorious king. So he's coming in, everybody's, you know, hyped up. You ever, you ever seen people run around somebody famous? You know, I've been in different airports and, and seen people famous, and a buddy of mine said, look, there's so-and-so, let's go get his autograph, let's go talk. I said, man, that man, that man puts on his shoes just like I do. You know, I don't need his autograph. What am I going to do with it? You know? That and a dollar get me some coffee, maybe, if it's on sale. But, but the thing about it is, 
Jesus is the victorious king. Now, now what the crowd was looking for was somebody to, to take over the politics and drive out the Romans because the Romans were evil. But Jesus didn't come to, to do politics and become the king then. He, became, he came to be king of their heart. And that's not what they were looking for. So, so you got to think about it. So think about all the people lining up. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're waving the palm branches and their clothes and their coats around. And they're doing the victory. You know what? I think we've lost our praise. Now, it's pretty easy to worship. Oh, Lord, I love you. But you know what? There's some times you need to have some undignified praise. These people were doing some undignified stuff. And you know, people who are like, well, that's just not who I am, Pastor. Well, you know what? I've seen those people like that. You know, oh, I don't do that. But let their kid hit a home run or let them catch a ball and throw some. Ah, that's my baby out there. Ah. Don't, don't look at it. Don't lie to me about that. If, 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 if something, see that. But why? Because their child has their heart. If God has your heart, you're going to praise him. And you need to learn to praise him. You need to do some undignified stuff. You know where that starts? In your prayer closet. Go get in the basement. We didn't have basements in Louisiana. You just had to get in a room somewhere, and you just kind of, oh, glory. You know, give God some praise. Put some praise on and break some chains. Too many times we have chains, and we're shackled, but Jesus has won the victory. And I know here, you know, you know what, here, when I talk about being kind to your enemies and stuff like that, I'm not talking about letting people walk on you. Come on, that's why I'm like, oh, I don't want to have to do that. No, they have to still have to line up to the Word. But you know what? You're not going to be mean to them. You're going to love them. You're going to pray for them. And, you know, that's washing their feet. That is. Because you know what? What does the world say? Oh, I hate them. Look at them walking in there. Oh, I hate their guts. Look at there. They think they something. Yeah. What, what was it, you know? Uh, uh, Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it. That big boss man with that brand new flat top haircut. You know, that's what people do, though. Okay, I'm dating myself. Some of y'all don't have a clue. But he got to, you know, look at that, look at that, who they think they are. But no, we're supposed to pray. If you're not praying for your enemies, you say, well, I don't have anybody like that baloney. Well, then you need to get out of the house. And, and you know what? If you watch the news a little bit, you'll find some enemies to pray for. You'll find something to pray for. And so, you know, when you talk about praying for your enemies and things like that, you've got to pray for people. God's called you to declare blessing on them. Lord, bless them. Lord, bless them. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Don't let me hold anything, any malice in my heart towards anybody. Bless them. Uh, uh, just bless them. Open their eyes to greater blessing. And, and so that's, that's what God's called us to do because, you know what, we're supposed to be carriers of the victory. Amen. He's the victorious king that lives on the inside of you. I was, telling, I was telling somebody that the greater one lives on the inside of me. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You don't think I don't feel like the greater one's with me all the time? When I don't feel him in me, with me all the time, even though he is, I have to declare it. Greater is he that's in me. The victorious one's in me. My champion's in me. My champion's in me. Glory. Now, Virginia, UVA won the NCAA basketball championship. You know what they're going to do? They're going to get a banner. 
and they're going to hang it from the ceiling in the gymnasium. 2019 NCAA champions, the banner of victory. Where's your banner of victory? It's right here in this Word. It's right here in your heart. And you need to raise it up. You need to put it up. I got the victory. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. Come on, you got a victory song. You ought to have a victory song in your heart. You ought to have a banner. God, Jehovah Nisi, that's one of God's names. God, your banner. Champion. God, my champion. Jesus, my Savior. Jesus, my Lord. Jesus, my King. He's my banner. He's my victory. In my high school, there's 13, 14, 14 championships, state championships just in, that, in our school. And, and probably 17 or 18 runner-up champions, you know, being the runner-up. Isn't that amazing? We held the record for being in there the most for a long time. But guess what victory does? When you get victory and walk in victory, it's passed down to the next generation. Your kids will want the victory. They'll, they'll operate from victory and not from, well, no, no, no. If you start poor-mouthing and bad-mouthing, your kids will grow up poor-mouthing and bad-mouthing. Why am I saying that? The reason we had so many state championships is because is, is I can go back to that town, and I hadn't been there in a, in a while, and I haven't been to the school, but everybody who was a kindergartner, first grade, and third grade when I was a senior, they knew my name. They were sitting on the front row. They were the kids sitting on the front row. And just like me, I watched the generation before me running up and down that floor, winning championships. And I go, I want to do that. I want to be a winner. I want to be an overcomer. I want to be that. And halftime comes, those kindergartners are out there bouncing a basketball. And they're dreaming of the day that they get to put the uniform on. Guess what? God's put a uniform on you. He's put his, his armor on you. You're more than a conqueror. You're a champion. And you've got to live from there. You have the victory. Quit living from defeat. We have the victory. So let's, let's, look, at, let's look at the Scriptures just for a little bit. The victorious king, Psalms 24, 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, lift up your everlasting doors. That's, and, and, and look what it says, the king of glory shall come in. And, and if you look at these scriptures, if you look at these things, let's read verse 10. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah, selah. Like amen, like yes. This is what they were looking for. Remember that. Let's look at one more. Psalm 72, 11. Yea, all the kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. See, what the Israelites were looking for was this kind of king. But Jesus didn't come the first time this kind of king. What did he come to? What did he come to do the first time? What did he come to do? And and, and as you look at these things, see, uh, they were looking for that in John twelve thirteen that they took the branches as a symbol of victory and the donkey as a symbol of peace. Like Jesus has got this, and they were they were saying, you know, here he comes. Let's look. The crowds hardly understood what they were saying. Many of them were looking for some kind of political deliverance. 
But that is not the, the only kind of victory or not at all the victory that Jesus came to win at that time. He came to give his life as an atonement for sin. The salvation he offers is deliverance from sin, from death, and from the eternal wrath of God. He came to set us free inside out. And let's look at 1 John 3.8. This is what he really came to do. 1 John 3.8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested in the earth. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Come on. He came to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil are witchcraft, lasciviousness. How about sickness, disease, poverty, wars, murders, drunkenness, reveling? But let's talk about the king just for a second. He's a victorious king. And this is how it works. Are you ready? The king has commissioned you and anointed you. And I'll explain that just for a second. How, how about the king has commissioned Legacy Church and anointed Legacy Church? But, but, but we're not the only church in town. There are other churches that God has commissioned and anointed to do a work. Huh? If there's 29,000 people in Wythe County, we can't handle them all. Okay? And that's all right. But here's what we've got to understand. Commission. Commission. Co-mission. If I have a mission to walk down the middle of this aisle to make it a co-mission, me and Miss Becky's going to walk down this aisle together. But guess what? As I walk through life, I'm commissioned to walk through life with the victory, and the king is walking with me. He's commissioned me to do things, to be a, a Christian, not just a pastor, but he's commissioned me, and he, the co is me and him. He's with me always. He never leaves me nor forsaken me, forsakes me, so he's commissioned me to live this gospel. He commissioned you to live this gospel and to live it in victory. Yeah, but pastor, you don't. No, 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 no. No. He came and defeated that. You, you got to rub it on like salve. You know, your hands, chapstick, you put your chapstick on or your lotion on your hands. You got to apply it. It, it can sit in the bottle all day. Uh, this can sit in, the, in your Bible all day. You got to put it, apply it. You got to apply it. You got to apply it and you got to walk in it. He's commissioned you. He's commissioned us as a church to do certain things. And he's the greater one. You need to write that down if you're writing anything down. He's commissioned, co-missioned you. Well, Pastor, I, huh, huh. <coughs> what happens is we sell ourselves short because we look at our own strength. But it's the strength of the king. It's the power of the king. It's his, it's his armor. It's his sword. It's his love. It's his peace. It's his joy. And it changes us to become like him. When Jesus was on the earth, he sent out the 12. We read that one scripture where he sent out the 12 and say the kingdom of God is at hand, and they healed the sick and they cast out devils. Did you know that? 
But when Jesus died, they didn't do that anymore because they were operating under his authority. What did he tell them when he arose? He said, go to Jerusalem, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And he recommissioned them. They, and then they walked out and did miracles. The first day the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 people got saved that morning. And then they went to praying for people. There were signs and wonders. And, and people say, well, that was just for the disciples. Well, I've got news for you. Uh, you read Acts. There's, I've got, there's probably 20-some-odd people who weren't disciples that did miracles. That were led by God to do supernatural things. Uh, that means he, it's for you. That means it's for us. And he's the same yesterday. He's still commissioning us to do good works. And I'm not just talking about triage. I'm not talking about bandages and feeding people. I'm talking about good works is laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. <laughs> Let me tell you a quick story real quick. There was a man that Patrick went to Brazil with. And he was born with one kidney. I'm trying to work him into getting him here to, to minister to us. And he has fought sickness his whole life. Just different things, but he still loves God. God's good. And so with one kidney, he had kidney stones pretty regular. And uh, he's sitting in a service dealing with kidney stones for a while with one kidney. And a word of knowledge came, somebody's dealing with kidney stones. He goes, that's me. And he came up and God healed him. Kidney stones, and, and he went, and he had something else. He went for a checkup, and, and something went to the doctor three years later. And the doctor did just a, a numbers, you know, numerous tests on him. Your blood's good. Uh, you know, you, you, both of your kidneys are functioning good. And he goes, what? He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I was born with one kidney, and, and I was healed of kidney stones. But she goes, no, you got two kidneys. Now, that's a creative miracle. Do you remember when Jesus, the, the ten lepers came to him, and he says, as you go to the priest, you'll be healed. Go show yourself to the priest, be cleansed. The one who wasn't Jewish came back and, and, and said, thank you, thank you, I'm healed. And Jesus said, we're the other ones, but that's, forget about that. He said he was made whole. That means his fingers and his ear came back, and whatever else was falling off from leprosy was made whole. That's a creative miracle. And there are stories like that and things like that. What we got to do is get our believing up. We, we got to get our believing for, for more, for greater. Are you believing for greater miracles? You know, it may be me, the one that needs it. It may be you who need the one, ones that need The enemy is out there, and, and, and it's like a virus in the air. Do you know that strep, you ever, anybody ever got strep throat? Do you know that that virus is in your mouth all the time? What? Yeah, sickness is in the air, but Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. That's something you need to start putting up. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And this curse is sickness. Did you know thorns are a curse? Let me just go there. The thorns that are growing in your uh, fly, beautiful flower bed or gardens. Did you know the mold in your shower is a curse? Black mold to make you sick, that's a curse. Thorns and thistles, mold, mildew, all that's a curse. 
that the Israelites had to deal with that, recognize it as a curse. Okay, all right. That's the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Somebody said, yeah, and he gave us Clorox. That's right. That's all right. But guess what? Clorox doesn't work on some spiritual things. So you got to apply the Clorox of the Word on it. Come on. So Jesus came. So are we submitted? Are we submitted to the commission of the king? What has he told you to do? What is he pulling on your heart to do? Are you on that mission, the co-mission? I was driving down the road yesterday, actually coming to the church to do some stuff, and the Lord said, there are so many distractions in the earth that will distract you from your mission. You say, well, your, your, your mission's easy. We, you're the pastor. You're the pastor. Yeah, but, but, but my, my mission's not easy, but my mission is to be a Christian first and a pastor next because my calling is not who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God first. You know, that's why I always say I walk down here with everybody else. I fight sickness, disease, anger. I, I, I fight everything everybody else does because I'm a child of God. And I'm up here where you can see where we're, this is where we're going. This is what we're saying. But I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God first. You know, Cody's not a singer. He's a child of God first. Now and then he's a worship leader. You're, you're not a welder. You're not a whatever you are. You're a child of God first. You're a child of God, then you're a school teacher. And that's a calling. You're a child of God and you're a law officer. That's a calling. But you're a child of God first. And so you've got to understand that the victory belongs to you as long as you're submitted to the mission. The mission is to live for God first. See, here, here's the thing. Remember, remember, uh, remember the, the, the parable Jesus taught about the virgins. And they had oil for their lamp. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. We'll help you now, so pay attention. And some of them ran out of oil before the bridegroom came. Are you with me? And they went to the other one and said, give us some oil. And they were stingy. They said, no, we need this oil. So, so let me try to help you. Anybody ever flown on an airplane? Well, let me tell you what, the, if you've never flown on an airplane, you got the stewardesses, you know, and they, they get up there. Well, before the plane takes off, they start they holding up this fake seat belt, and they say, you know, we need you to buckle up. We're about to take off, and we'll have you unbuckle once we get in there, and everything's smooth, and there's no turbulence. And so I just leave mine on all the time because you, 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 you never know. And, you know, you'll go out of the seat and hit the ceiling. So, so they do this, but then they go, then they bring out an oxygen mask, and they hold it up. And they said, if, if we lose pressure in the cabin, we need you this oxygen's going to drop down, and we need you to put your mask on first before you help anybody else. Be selfish because you're going to pass out in five seconds, and you can't help anybody. But if you put your mask on first, then you can help everybody around you. That's kind of selfish. No, it's not. The, the, the virgin who had the oil said, I cannot give you my oil because I need this oil. I need the Holy Spirit. 
I need him to empower me until I get full up. Then I can see, here's the mission, you to get full, you to get ready, you to get equipped. Then you can help others. And God's called you to help others, but you, if, you, if you can't help yourself, if you can't get yourself straightened up, how can you help other people? So get yourself straightened up with the Word. Overcome your victory. Your victory. Your victory is in Christ. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your past is. Quit glorifying the works of the devil. Declare, declare with me, the works of the devil in my life are defeated. My past is done with. I have victory in Jesus Christ. You, you see what, how, what I'm declaring? Because you can go back and, and I can tell you some crazy stories about my life, but that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Whoo, I've been washed in the blood. That's the place we got to get to. I've been set free. I've been washed in the blood. I have victory. My past is gone. Okay, I'm going to just go ahead and go there. Mary Magdalene, what was her profession? Anybody? A prostitute. She was the first one to declare Jesus' resurrection. Well, you don't know, Pastor. I mean, look at her. She had seven devils. And Jesus set her free, and she was the first one to declare that Jesus is alive. Come on, quit disqualifying yourself. Quit saying, I can't do it. Can't never could do anything. You can do. See, victory is yours. You've been commissioned to walk in victory so you can share victory. We have to walk in the victory to share the vision. We, we've, we've been commissioned. So let's, let's start submitting to the mission. Because the king has got our back. All right, let's go. Let me give you one more example. <clears throat> if you watch like the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur, he had all these knights and they were dressed in shiny armor. That's you. And he said, you know what? You know, they sent them out, even in Jerusalem. They, they, went on, they went on missions to get Jerusalem out of the hands of the Muslims and make it a place of worship to God. And they didn't do all good things. I'm not going to say they did, but, but that's a mission that they were sent on. And you know what? People are still looking for, they have missions, they're looking for the Ark of the Covenant. They're looking for the, the last glass Jesus uh, drank, the chalice that he drank wine out of. With, and, you know, most people think it's probably made out of wood. But, you know, they show pictures of this gold and diamond and ruby encrusted glass. That, that only way Jesus operated. But they're chasing relics when they ought to be chasing the king. Okay? Focus. Focus. Sure. Miracles will come. There's all kinds of miracles. If they find them, they're going to be awesome. But we're still chasing the king. So let's go to number four. Y'all waving your banner yet? Number three. Number four is the soon coming king. Now here's where he comes in glory. And this is where you need to be ready now. Because he is the soon coming king. And he's coming back. 
He's coming back. He's the king of glory, and he's coming back, and he's going to make things right. Is he your king? I'm asking you, is he your king? Because you need to get him, make him king right now. Because when he comes back, it's too late. It's too late. Because he's coming back as a ruling king, and he's going to come back, and he's going to be tough. See, see, here's the dispensation we're in. If you look at through time, the dispensation that came when Jesus died on the cross is the dispensation of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. We're in grace. And the grace is get saved now. doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. But when, we come, when he comes back, it's wrath. He's coming to take care of enemies. He's coming to take care of So let's read Revelations. Let's read. I'm not trying to scare you into salvation. I'm just telling you what's happening. I used to get try to get, you know, I've, I've been in church when they, they try to scare you into saved. The wrath of God's coming on you. No, not right now. We're in the grace. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let somebody, you know, beat you up. Because <laughs> I've been there, man, though they preached hell so hot that they, you, you thought they was from there. Your shoes are melting and everything else, and they're trying to scare you. And you need to know about hell. And, yeah, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hand of a living God and not know him and not be submitted to him. And, yes, we need to respect God, and we need to honor him, and we need to recognize him as Lord and King, but we don't have to be afraid of him because he's a gentle king right now. You hear me? And guess who's coming back with him? Let's just read it. Revelations 19 and 11, is he your king? Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. That white horse is a war horse. Woo! And he's coming back on a white horse. And in righteousness, even though it's harsh, even though you might think it's cruel, it's still right. It's what God would want. It's righteousness. He judges and makes war. This is the king that they were looking for on the day he'd come in, but it's not, it's not the time. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head, on his head were many crowns. He had a name that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. Hallelujah. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's us. That's why it's in us to, you know what, we got the victory, and we're coming back with him. And all we're going to be doing is just watching and witnessing, because he's going to do it. And so we're on horses, we're on horses with him. Somebody said, well, I'm afraid of horses. You ain't going to be afraid of these. They're not going to buck you off. I'm going back to children's church, you know. You don't have to be, there's the, the, the river of life. You can swim in the river of life and you can't drown because it's river of life. Come on, you think about it. You can ride a horse and not worry about getting bucked off because it's one of God's horses. And the lion will lay down the lamb. You're going to get a pet of lion and it won't, even, it, won't have to, it won't bite you. Don't go to the zoo and try to pet one now. Because it's under the curse. Look, let's look at look. Clothed in white. This is us. Verse 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of God of the Almighty God. Mine eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. That's it's where that song came from. 
And so we're coming back with him. You got to think about it. He's coming back. So it's like, it's like here it is. He lived uh, the three years of his life, and he, and he did marvelous and mighty things, but he did it where nobody, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody who I am. Don't tell anybody. And the devil said, well, Son of God, what are you doing here? Shut up. He wouldn't let himself be revealed. And you know what? The world, uh, the world's out there, and they think that we're nuts coming to church on Sunday. They think that we're nuts that we, we just serving God and that you would give in an offering. Y'all nuts. That Bible's old, antiquated. It's a good history book. No, these are words of life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. You know, the youth, I used to have some crazy youth, and they'd say, what if aliens, what if a, a spaceship landed and aliens showed up? I said, Brad, what are we going to do? I said, you know, they're going to get off. It's either going to be the devil or God. That's right. And, you know, that's how you answer that because it's either God and, and even who was it? What prophet said, a wheel within a wheel. He doesn't, you know, he's seeing something. I'm not trying to get off. Man, don't chase those things. Don't be distracted. That's a distraction. You know, back to the mission. Don't get distracted from your mission. Is Bigfoot real? Are aliens real? You know, all these crazy things. But we chase baseball, uh, soccer, football. We chase things. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with relaxation because, hear me, rest is of God. If you're like me, at times I get guilty because I'm resting. And that's the devil pushing me. He'll push you. If he can't stop you, he'll push you. Don't you rest. Don't you rest. You better get up and get that done. You better get up and get that done. You got nine jobs. You better get those jobs done. If he can't stop you, he pushes you, and that's the enemy. You got to guard your heart. You need to rest. I'm not talking about watching a ball game to rest or going and play ball to rest. I'm talking about letting it become a total distraction to your life in Christ. There are too many things in this world, especially in America. You know what the distractions are in Africa? Not having enough to eat. Worrying about somebody coming to kill you. That's a distraction, isn't it? But we got plenty to eat. We're distracted by entertainment in America. TV. Oh, gun smoke. John Wayne's on. Shh. Anyway, I'm, I'm picking now. Let's read one more. Revelation 17, 13. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. This is talking about the enemy in the last days. They're coming against Jesus. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those who are with him are called the chosen and the faithful. Say, I'm the chosen. I'm faithful. Now, if you can't say that with, with a true heart, then today become chosen and today become faithful. Amen? So bow your heads. Is he your king? Is he your king? Have you submitted everything to him? Are you going to come back with him? Are you going to heaven? Have you made him Lord and Savior? Have you made him king? Have you made him master? Are you ready to submit to him? Are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to give him your all? He's asking. He's kind. He's gentle. 
and he's calling your name. Will you give him your heart today? Let me say this. Maybe you got saved a long time ago and you haven't been living for the Lord. Today's the day to come back. Today's the day. Father, I'm just going to lay everything aside. I'm going to make you king. I'm going to make you Lord and Savior today. Let me pray over you and then we'll pray together. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that you stir in every heart. That this week you show us the mission that you have for us. We can read about Jesus' mission. And he's still on it. To seek and save the lost. Father, I thank you that you stir in every heart that we grow deeper in the things of God. So pray this with me. Say, Father, today I come to give you my heart, all that I am, to make you king, to make you my Savior, my Lord and Master. I want to follow you with all my heart, with all that I am. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, that I am free, that I am saved. Today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, look at me real quick. Last thing. Jesus is Christ, the anointed one. And you're on a mission And the anointing of the anointed one belongs to you. If you read Revelations or John or Jude and different ones, and they talk about the Antichrist, they're against the anointing. The anointing on you. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, and there is an Antichrist spirit that comes against you. And the anointing on the inside of you. This is another level. This is deeper right here. I just want to get saved, some people. But some people, to go to the next level, you've got to start recognizing the anointing and then the enemy wants to take it away from you. Okay? You're on a mission. You are knights of the king. Anointed. I said last thing. I'm trying to land this airplane. Remember when the prodigal son came back? He put the best robe on him. You get to heaven, you're going to get a robe. Huh? Guess what? He gave him a ring. That ring was the seal of the family. He could walk in any store and say, I want that. Put it on, put it on the credit card here. Guess what? Anything in the Spirit, Jesus paid the price for. It's yours. Go for it. Go for it. Just because you go buy groceries at the grocery store, you still got to cook it. You still got to open the can. Or if you plant a garden, you still got to pull it and then cook it. So there's a process to the anointing. You got to go after it. You got to declare it. And you got to walk in it and be a partaker of it. Amen. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.